It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. What do we have on tap? Well, only way to find that out, you have to tune in. You have to grab your ticket, get on board, put your seatbelt on. Most importantly, enjoy the ride. That's right. It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and your conductor, Anthony Smith. And we are getting ready to get this train on the track. So let's get rolling. train sports talk podcast with your host and conductor anthony smith grab your tickets get on board and enjoy the ride it's the a train sports talk podcast all aboard Train Sports Talk Podcast, a late night Thursday night. Yep, it's late. It's not midnight, but it's still late. It is a quarter past 11 o'clock, and me and my best friend, oh, I kind of took that from the guys on Fox Sports. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm always copying something. I got my best friend, my best podcast partner, none other than the man himself who has followed the aftershocks. That's right. We're going to start off talking some TVT, mainly the aftershocks from somebody that was there. And the reason I know because I saw his Snapchat feed. None other than my main man, Mr. Jordan, DeAndre, or DeAndre Jordan, however you want to put it, he know who he is. Anyway, welcome my main man, Jordan, aboard A-Train. Thank you, appreciate it. What's going on, man? So much, how are you doing? Oh, man, I'm, I'm surviving, I'm surviving. You know, th- I'm the same way. You know, things things have changed since my daughter has been back. I get to spend time with her, get to spend time with my grandchildren. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I miss what's it like this. My other daughter, she's she's been here, but I'm just now seeing her as well here the last couple of days. And, and the reason I say she's mine, because uh, basically that's my daughter's sister, and I'm pretty much her dad, too, so. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, can't can't ask. I mean, if you knew what I've been going through dealing with that situation, yeah, you know, there there's been some others that call me dad, but nothing is like your own. It, it's it's been quite the journey since they've been back and been in my life. I'm in their life, get to spend time with my grandchildren, and it's been wonderful. It has been wonderful. I this way I could describe it is I'm blessed. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I'm 
last one. Those that's listening to this podcast, they might not know what that experience is like. Your children have been around and you wonder what, how they're doing, what's going on. But then once you get around, you see they're doing okay. And it's like, it's a certain vibe. I mean, you can't explain it. So Anyway, <clears throat> Jordan, tell me. What's been going on with TBT? What's going on with the aftershocks? I mean, it's like, I'm now I'm gonna say this. I'm kind of surprised the attendance wasn't greater than what it has been. Because if I'm correct, last year's attendance pretty much almost doubled the attendance that we've had this year. If I, am I correct? Yeah, um, some of the games uh, were low in attendance, and you know, being as a loyal fan. Uh, that was disappointing to see, um, you know, and even talking with some of the guys after the game, you know, when hanging out with them in the locker room and stuff, uh, they, you know, they made those comments also about, you know, how the, there was a lot of, a lot of like uh, empty areas, empty sections. And, you know, that's not what they're used to seeing. You know, they're used to seeing a packed house every night, even if it wasn't a complete 10,506 sellout, you know, you still pretty much had a few spots that was only open all the way up at the top. You know, they're used to seeing black and yellow just everywhere in that arena and to see, you know, a lot of like empty seats um, definitely disappointed them a lot. But then they also said we're grateful for the fans that showed up because that just shows their true loyalty to Shocker Nation. And, and with that being said, it, it gave them that extra motivation to want to just make it on to that final round, you know, get mm-hmm. to make that trip to Dayton. So yep. let's, let's do some recap. Cause you posted quite a bit of a, a snippets of what was going on. And yeah. I mean, tell me what you saw from a plane standpoint from game one to last night's game. Uh, I mean, game one, uh, you know, they played against a team called We Are D3, which was basically a team full of the nation's top Division Three players. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, the Shockers put a beat down on them a little bit, but it's still, you know, they still had to come ready to play because I watched this uh, D3 last year, and, you know, they almost pulled off an upset against a really good team in the tournament. I forgot who they had were playing in that game, but – just watching them, I kind of knew what to expect uh, going into the game. But, you know, I mean, the Shockers, the Aftershocks, um, you know, they took care of business. They did what they had to do, you know, from start to finish, got the got the win. Um, and then the second night they played against the Air Raiders, which was basically a Texas Tech alumni. Uh, that game was pretty was pretty intense at the start. Um, you know, the air raiders came out firing, they, you know, they threw some punches and then, you know, we responded and, you know, we, once we got back in our groove, we was able to, uh, get a 10, I think it was a nine or 10 point win, um, with the Elam ending. And then the third night they was playing against, uh, this team called bleed green, which was basically, uh, North Texas alumni. Mm -hmm. And that game was, uh. It, it it was a it was a really good one. Um, you know, Bleed Green definitely gave the aftershocks a run for their money. You know, it came down to the final in, final bucket. Um, it came to the point where whoever where each team had a chance to win off their next bucket, 
Um, you know, we had just went up by two off of three uh, made free throws by uh, Connor Frankamp. Then Bleed Green comes down, hits a three to put them up one. So the score is 69-68, Bleed Green. And uh, the target score was 70. So basically, whoever scored next won the game, no matter what type of bucket it was. And so, you know, we had the ball. And the Aftershocks, they ran a play that, you know, a lot of guys credited Greg Marshall for, uh, you know, a play that he ran back when uh, Clevin Hanna and Garrett Stutz and all those guys were playing back in 2008, 2009. And, you know, they ran that exact same play to get the ball down to uh, – Daryl Willis, who was able to get the shot off the glass and in to get them the one-point win. And then uh, then last night's game, uh, they were playing against this group called the Gutter Cats Gang. Um, and that, that group was argue, was talked about as probably one of the best teams in the entire tournament. Um, you know, they had always had the mindset of they're used to sending teams home early. Um, you know, as far as like blowing them out in the games and stuff like that, and, you know, just being able to watch them, I was like, you know, these dudes is legit. So I knew that they was going to give us a run for their our money too. Um, and it, it, it definitely they came out firing at the start. I think they were up at like 13, 14 points at one point. Um, then you know, the crowd obviously we got into it and we, you know, we started cheering louder and louder. You know, that just brought more energy to the guys and uh and you know um they they just battled you know they battled battled and battled uh third quarter it really got intense it was going back and forth and then the elam ending target score was uh 73 and you know they just battled battled down uh then you know daryl willis got going real good marcus mcduffie he was hitting some clutch big time threes uh James Woodard, um, who actually was a Tulsa grad, uh, did not play for Wichita State, but teams are allowed to have guys that didn't play for their school play on their team. So, um, you know, I know James personally because him and my older brother were teammates at Tulsa. Uh, They went to school together all four years from uh, 2012 to 2016. So, I knew I knew James pretty good. You know, they call him Juice because you know he's a dynamic player. He's doing really really good. Um, he came up clutch for us because the aftershocks they were actually down three guys last night. So that instead of having eleven on the roster suited up, they only had eight. Um, Zach Brown he was out. You know, due to some uh, knee soreness. Um, there he's day to day said if he feels good in the next couple of days, he, he's going to try to play Saturday. Um, Tyrus McGee and Shaquille Morris, they were both out due to uh, them getting ready for their seasons overseas with their teams. But they also just announced today also that uh, Tyrus McGee will be able to play on Saturday. So, you know, we'll have him back on our roster. That adds another dynamic score and, elite defender for us to compete in this final four matchup. Um, but yeah, back to that game, uh, you know, it was just really intense. And then uh, the gutter cats, they came down, they went to, they looked to try to get it inside. And I believe it was either Richard Kelly or Daryl Willis who like stripped it from the gut, from the, from the post player. 
and they was on a, a outlet break and I believe it was Rashard Kelly dished it off, gave a nice smooth bounce pass to uh James Woodard for the for the um target score bucket. And so because of that, uh the aftershocks there uh, advancing to the final four and they're two wins away from winning the grand pot prize of uh one million dollars. Um and you know, I was talking to some fans last night. I said, we get this win to advance to the final four. I think we can take it. I really think the aftershock, aftershocks can can take it all this year. Uh, I really like this team that they have. And, you know, they just they got two more to go. Let's see if they can bring it home to Wichita. And there is a saying, third time is the charm. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. with that being said, there's two questions I'm going to ask. The first thing I'm going to ask you is, Drop the name Shaquille Morris. How much of an impact has he made, and what has the reception been like for him? Because he was mentioned in the controversy with Greg Marsh. I know, kind of hard to bring up that subject, but yeah. what was the reception like with Shaq Morris being in a aftershock uniform? How did, how did how was he received? Uh, I mean, the fans opened him with open arms, honestly. Um, definitely a lot of cheers and everything because, you know, it's just – at the, the TBT is about, you know, you seeing fans seeing their favorite players come back and play. A chance to play in the, in the arena that they once were college athletes in. You know, it doesn't have to do the, – the, the controversial stuff shouldn't matter during the TBT. It's all about, you know, the team is out there competing playing in front of the best fans in the country at Charles Coke Arena. Um, and, but he, he 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 definitely got a lot of love. He was getting a lot of love from Shocker Nation. And my next question is, this Gutter Cats team, just who are they? Because they were not really associated with no former college or anything like that. So just who are the Gutter Cats? Um, just from what I've heard, they were basically a team that had a group of guys that were playing in the top tier leagues wherever they were playing overseas. Um, I mean, a lot of them did play Division One basketball um, and stuff from from a various of different schools all over the country, but they were mainly known for uh, playing in their top tier leagues um, overseas and. Uh, one thing I might add also is uh, a lot of people, I feel like the aftershocks definitely played with a chip on their shoulder and with, you know, more energy last night, mainly because um, there were some people on social media that social media that uh, were counting the aftershocks out in last night's game. Uh, some counted them out saying that they was going to lose, but I'm a, I, I, I never doubt the aftershocks the regular shockers, it don't matter who they're playing. They could be playing Duke, North Carolina, whatever. You know, I'm still going to cheer for the shockers to beat them because anybody, you know, that's why I love college basketball more than the NBA is anybody can get beat on any given night. You know, you can, you can play your best performance and lose, play your best performance and win. Anything can happen. You know, that's why. Uh, I I will always say March Madness is a better postseason to watch than the NBA playoffs. I, I know that I would definitely agree. 
And since we have kind of shifted around now, you're talking NCAA college basketball. How much has the transfer portal? We're not going to mention NIL. We're just going to talk portal. How much has that changed the landscape of college basketball? And how much do you think it really changes how coaches go after their players? Because now you see such a high turnover. And now it's like you really don't know who's going to be on your team from one year to the next. And I've kind of fashioned it like this. NCAA college basketball now with the transfer portal is beginning to look like junior college basketball because of the turnover. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, I'm honestly, to an extent, I'm not a big fan of the transfer portal, mainly because of that reason of, you know, guys, they get the opportunity to, you know, get that basically that free year automatic uh, eligibility card pretty much. Um, and, you know, the transfer portal, it also like, to me, messes up a lot of team chemistry. You know, you could have a group of guys that have been together for a couple of years. Next thing you know, the whole team leaves um, for various reasons, whether they feel like they could get more recognized at a higher school or a bigger school or, you know, and stuff like that. Some look, look make those moves due to looking for more playing time or, you know, they want to go somewhere closer to their hometowns or, you know, it's a lot of different reasons, but, you know, but then there's also guys that just leave just to leave. And, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, you got to do what's best for you. You got to do what you feel like is going to make you and your family happy. But I've definitely seen it, you know, both positive and both negative. Um, As far as like guys going to a different school and they become a superstar for the, you know, they get more recognition, you know, they, their level turns up a notch. And then I've also seen it where it kind of downgrades them a little bit, depending on, you know, what team they're playing for and stuff. And, you know, a lot of that also plays kind of hurts, can hurt a player too, because, you know, depending on what school you go to, you got to look at it as, you know, who am I fighting for playing time against in my position? How veteran of a team are they? Are they, do they got a lot of experience? Are they young? You know, like, and that, and like I said, the main thing would is with that would be, you know, um, you know, rotations. You know, am I going to be the man or am I going to be a key player in the rotation? You know, that kind of thing. And it, but yeah, it all kind of depends on the team and stuff. But I definitely feel like it, it it affects a lot of teams with, you know, that's trying to build like a culture and that and that chemistry to be, you know, a really good experience team. So come much might come March Madness, you know, they can make a deep run in the tournament. All right. Now, moving forward, we're going to get back on TBT. So, the Shockers have advanced. Listen to me, the Shockers. The Aftershocks have advanced to Dayton. Mm-hmm. What are some of the teams that we have to be on the lookout for? Um. So, actually, they just found out their opponent earlier today. Um, they will... Uh, go back to my thing here um they actually will be playing against uh americana for autism team on saturday um in the final four um that that's going to be a really good game too um that team definitely 
you know, they 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 play for bigger than you know the team that they're playing against. Uh, their main focus is, you know, they they some of the players got people in their family that deal with autism and stuff. So, you know, they're playing for like a charity and stuff like that, which, you know, I like this. I, I, I like seeing that and stuff like that, you know, cause they're playing for a cause that's bigger than basketball, you know, and stuff like that. So that that's going to be a really good matchup uh, come Saturday. And then, you know, if they, if the aftershocks pull it out, they'll be playing for the championship uh, Tuesday night. So, you know, they just gotta, they gotta take care of business. Um, I believe they left for Dayton earlier today. Um, so they should be there, you know, kind of get accumulated with the area, you know, practice on the court a couple of days. I'm, I'm sure they're going to be watching film, scouting their opponent, and uh, get ready for Saturday. Well, all right. Well, i tell you what we're going to do right here. We are going to pause here and take a brief break. And come back we're going to shift we're going to still talk basketball but we're going to get into some NBA talk all right here on the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast with your host and your conductor Anthony Smith we'll be right back podcast for sports and so much more thank you for listening to the a-train sports talk podcast with your host and conductor anthony smith if you would like to have your ad or sponsor a segment on here simply reach out to me at 316-553-2010 or you can simply email me that's a.trainsportstalk at gmail.com that's a dot train sports talk at gmail.com once again it's the a train sports talk podcast your host and conductor anthony smith train sports talk podcast with your host and conductor anthony smith grab your tickets get on board and enjoy the ride it's the a train sports talk podcast all aboard Welcome back to the second segment of the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. 
This is your boy, your conductor, your favorite host and conductor, Anthony Smith. My sidekick. Young man, very young man, but very knowledgeable. Sky's the limit for him. I wouldn't be surprised if one day he ends up on a nationally syndicated program. I believe he's that good. My main man, Jordan. Jordan, welcome back, man. I got you on the train, and we're going up and down the track. Going around curves. Just enjoying what we're doing. Anyway, this next segment, we're going to get into some NBA talk. And... A point of interest here has, as you know, there were some Supermax deals that were signed mm-hmm. during, during this offseason. And one that was really mind-blowing, considering how much or basically how less he has played, is one Zion Williamson who had signed a $193 million contract. But it requires him to stay below 295 pounds. So in other words, he has a weight clause in his contract. Mm-hmm. So the story basically starts out that the New Orleans Pelicans want Zion Williamson around for a while, but only on one big <laughs> I like that word. Big condition. The Pelicans star signed a five-year, $193 million max contract earlier this month that could be worth as much as $231 million. Wow. Can I just get a tenth of that? Man. (laughs) According to, I hope I get this name right, the Times Picune, the contract stipulates that Williamson must weigh in at below 295 pounds periodically throughout the deal. His body fat percentage will also be monitored. Should Williams tip the scales too much, the amount of guaranteed money in his contract can be reduced. Wow. What are your thoughts on that? Man, you know, this is the first time that they basically that I've ever heard a player basically have to be at a weight restriction in order to, you know, keep his contract or to keep this type of contract that Zion is signing. But I mean, you know, he unfortunately did gain some weight due to lack of being able to be out there on the court and it obviously showed, you know, when he was on the bench and stuff, you can tell he was gaining in weight and so I mean I feel like you know they probably did that with him because they know what type of player he can really be but he just has to get back in shape you know he's missed so many games he's been out for so long um, and they want him to be out there to basically be the face of the Pelicans but I mean they feel like in order for him to be who they say and know that he can be he's got to be in shape and I mean, 
I mean, this to me, this is like mind blowing. And here, here's another piece of that article. It says Zion Williamson's weight has been a question for the Pelicans. And you know, of course, like you said, you mentioned time off, injury, and being in New Orleans. Do I need to say any more? <laughs> being in New Orleans. And we know what they're known for. Yeah. Hanging out down there on the bayou. If 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 I can just do it like this, I, I'm I'm gonna go to my Ed Orgeron voice. Well, you know, I I enjoy my time down here, and uh, you know they got some good crawfish down there. Man, you get down there on the bayou and get to kick your feet up, and just enjoy some crawfish and an adult beverage. <laughs> That, that that's my Ed Orgeron impersonation. But you know, all jokes aside though, I mean Zion Williamson, he's a big boy. It says anyone who has followed Williamson's professional career so far can probably understand why the Pelicans would do this. Twenty two year old's weight and conditioning have been major issues. Like when he reported to training camp last September at well above three hundred pounds mm-hmm. even at his listed 284 pounds williamson is among the five heaviest players in the nba and the rest of his cohorts in that group are all six foot ten or taller williamson is six foot six can you say reincarnation of charles barkley yeah a little bit I mean, Charles Barkley didn't have the title round mound of rebound without reason. Charles Barkley was a, well, he was very well-rounded, but even he got in shape. Maybe Zion should link up with Charles to see what Charles did. But, I mean, when you think about the money that these guys make, I mean, here, here's the guy right here, LeBron James. He invests millions of dollars into his body on a yearly basis. Maybe Zion Williamson needs to take a note and sit down with Brown and say, hey, what is it that you're doing to stay in such a shape that you're in to play at the level that you're playing at, at the age that you're at? Yeah. Some, he needs to get with somebody, a trainer or somebody, to help monitor his eating habits, his diet, and his workout regimen. Because at six six, and we seen video clips of him when they said he looked like he's ready. I mean, he's going in with between the leg dunks like he's in a dunk contest. Mm-hmm. For someone that size to do that, imagine if he shed some more weight. What type of player he could really be? Because he's already dominant. He can handle the rock. He can almost play point guard. I mean, that's a scary sight. That's looking at him being a point guard. In that body, is like looking at Ricky Williams coming around the edge on a halfback sweep, wearing all black with New Orleans Saints. That's a scary thought. But imagine if he was in better shape and could play a full season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll be honestly. I've, you know, that's what we're all waiting to see him play a full season because we definitely feel that he has the potential to have a really good career in the NBA, but it all starts with the shape that you're in. If you, know, if you, got, if you need to get in better shape to 
get to that potential, you got to do what you got to do to be back out there for more. And I know he's sick and tired of sitting on the sideline, and I know he'd rather, much rather would be out there on the court with his teammates. It further goes on in this article, and I'm not going to give us the whole article, but it says Williamson's body shape hasn't prevented him from being one of the most explosive players in the NBA when healthy. But that has been the rub. Williamson has frequently sustained lower body injuries since entering the NBA, missing 44 games as a rookie after tearing the lateral meniscus in his right knee and missing all of last season with a broken metatarsal in his right foot. In three years, Williamson has played a total of 85 games. So it's safe to say that his weight is definitely an issue, and it's going to end up being wear and tear on his body if he doesn't get it under control. Yeah. Another another piece of this article says it speaks to Williamson's star power that the Pelicans still opted to give him a max contract, and he could easily reward them over the next few years. He has so far averaged 25.7 points, 7.2 rebounds, and 3.7 assists per game while shooting .611 from the field. So imagine with those numbers and a healthy Williamson throughout the season, imagine what the Pelicans could be because I believe they did pick up some players even during last season. Yep, true, true. Possibility they could probably give your uh, Clippers a run for their money. Yeah, I, I just had thirty. I, I had thirty in there. <laughs> you know, we, we 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 can't do that. We can't do that. We we we, we not gonna do that. We the the league got to watch my boy go crazy this year. Okay, I I I'll give you that. Boy, everybody watch out. My boy Kawhi Leonard about to go crazy. So next, we take a look. Let me make sure I have enough time here, which we do. We got time. So. Next thing I want to look at, here's a guy who's been around a while. And he's had the nickname of Superman. Of course, that drew the ire of one uh, Shaquille O'Neal because Shaq says he was the original Superman and he don't think that this next guy we're going to talk about deserved that nickname. Who am I talking about? Dwight Howard says he should make Hall of Fame. And it starts out, you know, after 18 seasons in the NBA, Dwight Howard seems to be nearing the end of his career. He's coming off his third stint with the Los Angeles Lakers. But about a month into free agency, he remains unsigned. In his heyday, Howard was a monster defensively and on the boards. And he wasn't a bad scoring threat either. He won three consecutive Defensive Player of the Year awards and led the league in rebounds per game five times and blocks per game twice. As he is forced to ponder the next phase of his life. It seems Howard thinks he belongs in the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. What do you think? I mean, you know, he definitely definitely has a case. He has a um, thing here. Um, 
I mean, he's definitely shown, you know, back in, back in the years past, you know, him reasons why he feel like he should be there. But, I mean, in the last year, he's kind of been one of those old, you know, guys that kind of playing, you know, scrap minutes and stuff. I mean, I would like to see him eventually get a um, be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he he's shown that, you know, he can be that guy. I mean, he's always back when he was in Orlando. Now good those teams were with him being a key to be why. Um, but I mean, I mean, I feel like he has a right to feel like he to be in the uh, Hall of Fame, and you know, eventually, that's what I hope he gets that he gets what what he wants, and he feels like he deserves. Absolutely, it says in addition to his most obvious accomplishments, Howard has been named to five All Defensive and eight All NBA teams. The cherry on the top was playing a key role in the Lakers winning the 2020 NBA championship after swallowing his ego and accepting a diminished role off the bench. After he retires, Howard absolutely deserves to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. And it would be very surprising if he doesn't get in. So, maybe he does deserve to be in. Is he going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer? Or is he got to wait the second time around? Or however many times he has to wait? Is he a first, first time, first ballot Hall of Famer, in your opinion? Do you think he deserves to get in on first try? Uh, uh, not really. I feel like, I feel like there's other guys that have done more to get those first ballots. I mean, I can see him after a couple of tries that, that he finally gets in. But then also, you know, it kind of just depends on, you know, who else is being looked at as a Hall of Famer, you know, candidate for that particular class. All right, then. So there's a little bit of Dwight Howard talk. And we still have some more to get to in this segment still. We talked Zion Williamson. We talked Dwight Howard. Apparently, though, there are some who think that there's a ghost lurking around in Chicago. Who is that person? Well, that would be DeMar Rosen. says he felt Michael Jordan's ghost early in Chicago. Now, let me get this right. Only time people really talk about somebody's ghost, not GOAT, not G-O-A-T, acronyms, greatest of all time, talking about their ghost. Don't, in most cases, that person have to be dead? I hope I referenced that right. I mean, how can you feel the ghost of Michael Jordan when he's still living? Exactly. Yeah, he's it's very hard to imagine the level that he was on. He's playing. It's definitely not easy. And basically what this article is saying is that how DeRozan strives to live up to MJ's legacy with Bulls originally appeared 
on NBC Sports Chicago. And it didn't take long into DeMar DeRozan's Chicago Bulls career for him to feel the ghost of Michael Jordan. He says he felt the ghost of Michael Jordan. I say this. No, 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 no. Michael Jordan is a living being. There is not no ghost. He may have felt something, but not the ghost of Jordan. Yeah. Anyway, last October 28th, with the Bulls sitting at 4-0, DeRozan attempted a game-winning buzzer beater against the Knicks at the United Center. I airballed, and I just felt the whole vibe of everything, like, what was that? I felt like I disrespected the aura of what these fans are used to seeing from, obviously, MJ hitting game winners. Yeah. So this could be a case where we have a player who is putting maybe some extra added pressure on himself to live up to some standards from the past. Mm-hmm. My theory is all you have to do is be yourself. Plain and simple. Can't nobody else be Michael Jordan, although some think LeBron James is close to that. But outside of those aforementioned names, the best thing you can do is to be yourself. Plain and simple. When you look in the mirror, the only person you see is yourself. You got the floor. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I mean, you know, DeMar DeRozan, he, when he got there, you know, he's, I mean, he's had a really good career overall, I feel like he has, but I feel like he has to, I feel like he has to keep it going, keep it, keep the energy going the way that he did when he got to Chicago. Um, you know, he just got to be playing at a high level, high intensity. Um, and, you know, if he keeps it up, he can definitely somewhat get to that status. And I feel like also what would help him is, you know, if Chicago ends up making another, making a run at some point in the playoffs to the finals or, or even if he gets a, gets a ring in Chicago or if he gets traded and goes to a team that you know that's a contender and they pull off they pull it off and and win the final. So I feel like it, I feel like there's a couple more things that he has to do in order to be on that GOAT status. But he's definitely heading in the right direction if he keeps it up with the performance that he had for Chicago last year. And when you look at the Chicago team what hurt them last season in the playoffs were injuries. And at some point, whenever we do this again, there are some interesting points of interest I want to look at. Players that actually played on the Lakers team under LeBron James before he got rid of all of them that have actually excelled since they have been from under the wings and shadows of one LeBron James. Just give you one for instance. Lonzo Ball. His game started to flourish once he became a Chicago Bull. Uh, Kyle Kuzma, another one to mention. His game somewhat took off. So do you think it was just too much pressure trying to live up to the LeBron James standard in L.A., or was this LeBron putting that pressure on to where Pretty much drove them out of town. Uh, I mean, 
it could be a little bit of both. I just feel like the pressure that a lot of people probably had a lot of high expectations and everything. Some people step up to those keep going. You may have to take a step back and look at reality a little bit, but um, that they're you know, it, it, they're, they're all different people are going to definitely. So, I guess the old saying is sometimes it's just good to have a change of scenery. Yeah. Which now pretty much lead to my next question, man. Is it hard playing for someone like a LeBron James? Because LeBron James is still pretty much the face of the NBA. But he wears many hats, although unofficial. We know LeBron James, the player. But at times, LeBron James, the coach. LeBron James, the general manager. Yeah, I mean, I think LeBron is a great leader in all aspects. Not just even, not just with basketball, but in life. Um, you know, Joe's a great example. Um, you know, he's he's a role model to a lot of kids, and a lot of people look up to him. You know, just because of what he does in the community, he gives back, he helps, he does a lot of charity events, a lot of donations to different um, areas and different things that are going on in the world. So just you know, so that he can try to uh, make a good impact and inspire others to do what they can you know, have a successful life. All right, then. Okay, what we're going to do right here now. We're going to take another break. And when I come back, we're going to put a bow on this train. And we're going to talk about, well, whatever the spirit moves us to talk about. And we're going to talk about that. And I'm pretty sure that what we have to talk about, it will be something of interest. So. We'll be right back on the other side of this break on the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith, and, of course, my sidekick, my main man that knows it all, none other than Mr. Jordan Manning. We'll be right back after this. Train Sports Talk Podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. Grab your tickets, get on board, and enjoy the ride. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. All aboard!
welcome back to the A Train Sports Talk podcast with your. I'm gonna say it like this: your two favorite guys that you love to listen to. I'm the conductor, but I have a co-conductor. That's right. His status has stepped up. Anytime he's on here, he's the co-conductor. I can just pretty much go on cruise control and let him handle it. It's good when you have someone you can bounce ideas off of and pick their brain. And oftentimes, he makes me sound good. Just giving them his props. My old man always told me, give credit where credit is due. So, Jordan Manny, man, I'm so glad to have you on here. And I think the audience is glad to have you on here as well, too. They, they, they love you. You are you are an instant classic. I so, definitely huh? definitely <laughs> get a lot of motivation. See, I, I know when you're on here, I have to step up my A game. So I mean, you, no, you do it, and you do a great job at that too. You bring or you bring out the best of me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> It's like I, I I kind of reference this to like being a musician. You know, I'm, I'm a saxophone player, and I, I play with some good musicians. That when they back me up, all I have to do is just play. Then there, on the other hand, there are some I've played with, and you're the lead instrument, but you have to also carry their weight and pull them along. With is it can be rough, so. You know, you, you make my job easy, easy. You know, we was talking off air about some things that we're going to talk about, but I want to get your take on the helmets that some of these teams are going to be wearing for certain occasions. Have you had a chance to see that? Um, I've only, I mean, I've seen a few talking about it, but I haven't had a chance to, like, go into depth as far as, um, you know, the purpose of some of them. And, and some of them are basically going to be like throwbacks, like the Giants, for instance. Back in the day, they had the block letter that said Giants on the side of the helmets, so they're going back with those. Dallas is coming out with the white helmets that they had back in the way back. Like, what we're going to do is go back, way back. Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> and then how about the Cincinnati when they when they were they're all white? Guess what color their helmet is going to be? The what hel- color? The helmet is going to be white with the. It's basically going to be the same scheme as the orange helmets, except it's going to be white. So when mm-hmm. they were they're all white, the helmet is going to be white as well too with the tiger stripes. I think that's going to look pretty neat. Oh yeah, what's that? huh? Most definitely, it's gonna. I'm excited to see, you know, what's it, gonna happen this upcoming season, right? And then, if you look at the Chicago Bears, you know, they have a tendency to bring out those orange uniforms. Mm-hmm. Well, for the first time, they're also going to be sporting orange helmets with the famous C logo on the side in the navy blue. So, it'll be the first time they've worn a helmet that's not navy blue. I'm sure I, I bet that's gonna look pretty nice too. 
So that's just a little bit of teaser on how the new helmet schemes are going to be looking that they're going to be wearing on certain occasions. But anyway, moving right along, <clears throat> there was a contract that was signed not too long ago, and it had some stipulations in it. However, those stipulations has been removed. Talking about the Cardinals removed Kyler Murray's independent study clause after criticism backlash. Kyler Murray's independent study clause is no more. The Arizona Cardinals removed the clause in Murray's contract that required him to watch film each week, the team announced Thursday night. The move, which came after harsh criticism from the quarterback and others, was done after the team realized the distraction it created. Here's the side note here. After seeing the distraction it created, we removed the addendum from the contract, the Cardinals said. It was clearly perceived in ways that were never intended. Our confidence in Kyler Murray is as high as it's ever been, and nothing demonstrates our belief in his ability to lead this team more than the commitment reflected in his contract. So you're telling me at first you put a clause in a man's contract saying you have to watch and study film. Isn't that something that most quarterbacks do? If they don't do it alone, they do it in team meetings. Isn't that something that just comes automatic or should come automatic? Yeah, I mean, you know, this is like very new to me because it's a lot of things that like, you know, DMs and all these other people are like going to these contracts, you know, like I said, the different clauses and all of that. And, you know, we don't, I mean, some could be for the good, some you know, may not be as good, but it's definitely been getting a lot of attention from people asking why all of a sudden these things are starting to happen with certain athletes at all sports. Right. It it goes on, it says, part of Murray's new five-year, $230.5 million extension required him to spend at least four hours each week watching game film, something he called disrespectful and almost a joke earlier on Thursday. It says, to think that I can, everything that I've accomplished in my career, and not be a student of the game and not have that passion and not take this serious is disrespectful and almost a joke, Murray said. To me, I'm flattered. I'm honestly flattered that y'all think at my size I can go out there and not prepare for the game and not take it serious. It's disrespectful. I feel like to my peers, to all the great athletes and great players that are in this league, this game is too hard. The unique clause in Murray's contract garnered plenty of jokes and criticism once it was discovered. While it's certainly strange, Murray admitted after last season that he isn't one of those guys that's going to sit there and kill myself watching film. So I guess that's why they put that clause in there. 
As though that may have helped trigger the addendum, Murray was insistent that it didn't make him a worse quarterback. He goes on and says this, like I said, it's funny, Murray said Thursday, to those of you out there who believe that I'd be standing here today in front of y'all without having a work ethic and without preparing. I'm honored that you think that, but it doesn't exist. It's not possible. Yeah. Matter of fact, he even said the clause has done more harm than good for the Cardinals. See, that's the reason why, you know, some of these things could backfire team. I mean, after, I mean, when I first heard something like that, I'm like, what? I mean, a, a study clause? What is a study clause? Did it say four hours a week? I mean, that's almost like saying, yeah, we're going to give you this money, but there's some things you have to do. And this is one of them right here, as if to say he's not doing it already. Even though he said he's not one of those guys, I still have enough sense to believe that he's doing some type of study. So, yeah, to put that in a contract, I believe it was an insult and a slap in his face. Plain and simple. I mean, that, that... I mean, how do you do a man like that? I mean, first of all, y'all was squabbling over the contract, to which I told someone I think a lot of that is window dressing because he made news when after the season was over, he deleted everything from his Twitter account, Instagram account that had anything to do with the Cardinals. And that caught a lot of flack. Caught it, I mean, it was part of everyday sports media. Yep. But he left on work and said, I'm going to win championships and I'm going to win them as a Cardinal. So he let it be known, I want to be a Cardinal. But at yeah. the same time, I want to be paid. I wonder if also, like, a lot of these contracts have clause stuff in them because they're trying to take over the players kind of. You know, and maybe some people feel like maybe they're getting a little too much freedom, so they're trying to take control back. I mean, you never know because the owners, it's pretty much still a good boy system. Yeah. And at the end of the day, if they really want to say it, they say, look, we gave you $230 million. We pretty much own you for the duration of this contract. Mm-hmm. You know, I've even heard some players say, this is like slavery. Of course, I have to double down on that statement. I've never known somebody in a cotton field to be getting $230 million. So how can you say that's slavery? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So sometimes I think players use words that are like, it doesn't fit. I mean, yeah, I'd be a two, I'd be a two hundred and thirty million dollar slave if, that, if that's what you want to call it. But you cannot compare that by no means and no ways to saying it's slavery. Oh yeah, not at all. That that's an insult to those that went before us that had to suffer in those fields and take beatings and whippings. So I think they need to find a better terminology to use because if that's slavery today. Sign me up for it. Give me the contract and everything. 
Sign me up. Moving. Moving right along. There are some more headlines. There we go. How about this one right here? As NFL Training Camp 2022, Julio Jones makes his debut with the Buccaneers. And it goes on, says, the early days training camp have already produced significant news. Trey Lance and Marcus Mariota will start. James Robinson and Chris Godwin weren't put on the pup list. And DK Metcalf wants a new contract. So what other major developments will we see before the NFL regular season kicks off September the 8th? Well, how about this for starts? Julio Jones makes his debut with the Buccaneers. Tom Brady's newest target is ready to go. Julio Jones made his practice debut with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Thursday. Fans liked what they saw, cheering loudly every time Jones caught a pass. Jones joined the team on a one-year $6 million deal. He's battled injuries the past two seasons with the Buccaneers. Jones is expected to serve as the team's number two or number three receiver, depending on Godwin's health. What do you think about a move like that? Man, it's a very big move. You know, a lot of these teams, they're trying to uh, make the moves that they feel like is necessary to, you know, better them for the for the season. You know, I honestly – I feel like the season is kind of wide open this year. I feel like anybody, I mean, obviously we know who we, we everybody has their idea of, you know, what teams is going to have the better year, you know, and all of that. But, I mean, there's not like, you know, like how it is in the NBA is like, we expect these teams to make it. The NFL, I feel like at times can be different where somebody you may not expect to win it all. Mm-hmm. wins it, you know, and we kind of saw that last year. Um, sure, not a lot of people thought the uh, Rams, I believe it was, won it, won it last year. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm sure a, a big ton of people didn't expect them to, expect to see them win it all. Um, you know, and stuff like that. So I feel like this year it, it, it can be pretty much up for grabs as far as you know who who makes that run and you know, who takes it all eventually at the end of the season. Absolutely. Moving right along now, we have this report right here. DK Metcalf agrees to three year seventy two million dollar extension with rebuilding Seahawks. That should be a journey. Mm-hmm. Seattle Seahawks may no longer have Russell Wilson, but they should have DK Metcalf for a while. The Pro Bowl wide receiver is signing a three-year, $72 million contract extension with $58.2 million guaranteed and a position record $30 million signing bonus, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. 
Metcalf is coming off another strong season for the Seahawks with 967 receiving yards and 12 touchdowns. Now, let me just put a pin right there. Cowboys just let go of Amari Cooper. And his numbers, if I'm correct, look better than that. Yeah. I don't get it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like, I don't get it. Um, players and society and stuff like that. I mean, I, I, it's kind of, well, that's another thing that kind of interests me as far as like, you know, obviously the player wants to get as much money as they can or as they, as they, you know, want. But sometimes I feel like, um, is it better to take all that money, or is it, or are, like, is the player more focused, more focused on trying to get all the money, or are they more focused on, you know, try to have a better season to at least try to compete for a Super Bowl? Right, and, and this is definitely going to be a rebuilding season for the Seahawks. So. It says in three NFL seasons, Metcalf has averaged 1,100 receiving yards and 10 touchdowns per year, playing every game possible and earning Pro Bowl honors in the 2020 season. All of that was accomplished with Russell Wilson at quarterback, however, and the star quarterback's trade to the Denver Broncos means questions for both the Seahawks and Metcalf. So my thing now is... Why would you sign a contract like that knowing it's a rebuild and knowing that your quarterbacks that are going to be throwing the ball to you basically is Geno Smith or Drew Locke, neither of whom are nearly as good as Wilson. But at least benefit from a top weapon like Metcalf. So is this a situation where maybe they're looking for DK, DK Metcalf to make the quarterbacks look good because Geno Smith is not going to move the needle, although he says that he was just as good as Russell Wilson, and that's very laughable. I think that's a bold statement, too. Drew Locke, well, we've seen what he did in Denver, and that wasn't worth getting the pen out the ink to write on paper to write home about it because he definitely didn't even he may have barely budged the needle, which is why come he's not in Denver anymore, which is why come Denver has turned things over to one Russell Wilson. Because Russell Wilson, let's just say it, the terminology let me cook. Pete Carroll said, yeah. Only thing that's going to be cooking is this running game. Mm-hmm. So now, with the contract he signed, is he going to be able to perform up to the contract, or is Pete Carroll just going to say, "You know what? We're just going to run the ball." And in essence, what he's really going to be saying is, "I don't have faith in Geno Smith nor Drew Locke." That's what it sounds like to me. And, you know, if, it, if it's more towards that thing, you know, that could definitely be 
a bad sign for uh, how the season is going to turn out for them. So, I look for there to be some dark days in Seattle for the years to come. Unless yeah. they find a quarterback. Because, like I say, I don't have much confidence in a Geno Smith nor Drew Locke. They're on the hot seat right now. So, basically, like, if you don't improve, you know, they probably going to go with a different option and get them out of there. Right. And, you know, in, in like, in like one thing that I would say, too, is, like, it's, you know, when coaches are on these hot seats and stuff like that, you know, you hate to see somebody lose their job, you know, lose some, lose a job of something that they uh, have a really big passion for and stuff like that. But at the same time, you know, you did sign that contract basically saying, you know, you're going to try to help. You're going to um, turn a program around and you're going to do this and you can do that. And, I mean, if you don't live up to those expectations, they're going to, you know, the owners and the GMs and stuff like that, you know, they're going to be looking for different options. And, you know, not just in the NFL, but it happens in all sports all over no matter no matter what level of competition it is either. And as you heard it said earlier, basically name that stands out. There was one that said that it's obvious that Trey Lance is gonna be starting in San Fran. Mm-hmm. And I even heard it said Marcus Mariota is gonna be starting. But back to that Trey Lance situation, if he's going to be the starter, would it behoove the Seahawks to go after Jimmy Garoppolo? Yeah, to me, that's that. basically a vast upgrade over Geno Smith or Drew Locke. Yeah, I can definitely, I can definitely see something like that happening. I mean, that's the, to me, that's the only move for Seattle that would really make any type of sense. I mean, if you look at Jimmy G's record, he has not had a losing season. True. Yes, he got hurt last year, and that might have diminished his trade value. But if I'm Seattle, I'm calling to San Francisco. Yeah. We want Jimmy Garoppolo. What do we have to do to get him? But I don't see that happening because basically Pete Carroll has been given the keys to the Ferrari or the Porsche or the Lamborghini and management is not going to budge unless Pete Carroll say let's go ahead and make this deal and I don't see Pete saying let's make this deal he'd rather if he's not pleased with the passing game he just assume turn around and hand it off to whoever the running back is and they better have a darn good running game because with Geno Smith or Drew Locke they're going to need a good running game only thing about that is it's going to be easy for teams to stack eight in the box and dare Seattle open up their passing game. Yep, and you know that that comes into the the power and the advantage of how often the team watches film, how often the team scouts, so that you know they can they know what the opposing teams are going to do on, on both ends of the field, and you know they'll be prepared as far as you know what adjustments they need to make and. Stuff like that, you know, that's why I enjoyed watching film, even for basketball. You know, so we can, you know, figure out the personnel of the of each player, you know, and then it's like, 
one thing also I like about them is how, you know, you can really break it down even smaller than just watching the clip. You know, you can break it down as far as, you know, how, like, for, like, a guard, how many, how often do they dribble to their right? How often do they dribble to their left? Do they like to try to go downhill, get into the lane? Or, uh, you know, how often do they pull up for a jumper, catch and shoot? You know, a post player, how many times do they like to go left or right, turn, turn over, uh, you know, a certain shoulder? Uh, how often? They try to go for a hook shot, and it breaks it down by percentage too. You know, where um, like they make this percent of shots going this way, going that way. You know, this is their strong area, this is their weak area. So, you know, that plays into the favor of the team. You know, that's watching the film because then they can, like I said, they can make those adjustments. Say, oh, if he goes, if he does this, be prepared for the, you know him doing this or doing that. And stuff like that. So, you know, that's, I feel like, you know, watching film and scouting and stuff like that is, is, is definitely very important, you know, to get ready for, you know, the, the game and the competition that you have to prepare for. Very well stated. And on that note, we are getting ready to bring this train back into the station. Time has been well spent. Mm-hmm. A lot has been said, and like I said, I couldn't have did it without you, my main mm-hmm. man, Jordan. So Jordan, we're gonna have to hook up once again and do this again. Mm-hmm. I I will be announcing next week, hopefully, uh, my next uh, destination as far as where I will be working to continue my career. So um, I'm excited to. Uh, let you guys know about that as well here coming up soon. Uh, I think, like I said, uh, I think I'll be announcing it next week. All right, and I want to wish you the best of luck in your endeavors. And we look forward to getting that announcement next week. We will put it under breaking news under this right here. Appreciate that. That's my breaking news sounder right there. <laughs> well, y'all, it's been a blast. Hope you have enjoyed the ride. We'll do this again. I'll be back tomorrow as I'll be talking to a young man who was playing summer league baseball. I had a chance to meet him a couple of weeks ago. So we're going to get this young man on the podcast tomorrow, get him on the train, and let you know who he is. It will be under my player spotlight. So... Until the next time, take care of yourself and each other. Be blessed.